Last week, as I was talking, I told you a story about when I was a young man and a dog bit me that was growling at my kids. And it was like a little chihuahua. It bit me and I turned the chihuahua into a frisbee across the yard. I didn't get any negative email for that because I know some of you love chihuahuas, but thank you for that. Well, last weekend, my mom was hanging out at my house with her little small cocker spaniel dog. And when we were all at church, the cocker spaniel dog was in the basement in my little man cave, which is not impressive, but I got a little man cave in my basement where her dog was hanging out. Well, they went home. The dog was gone. My mom was gone. I went down in my little man cave. I didn't even turn on the lights. I just needed to grab something. I'm in my socks and my mom's dog left a nice, healthy dog present for me right on my carpet. And I stepped right in the middle of it. Now, I do not believe in karma in any way, shape, or form, but if I did believe in karma, I'm pretty sure that would have been karma, but I don't believe in that. And that really has nothing to do with today's message. I just wanted to tell you all that story, and that mom, if you're watching, you owe me a new carpet in my basement. Come on now. Come on. We got to fix that. Hey, anyway, we're in in this series called Heaven and Hell and Everything in Between, and we've been trying to figure out how do we bring heaven down and let God's goodness and his grace and his love come more into our lives and somehow keep hell from rising up and bring all the chaos and mess and disaster that we see too often in our world. And throughout this series, and last week especially, we've been asking this question, hey, what's really going on in our world? Because you know this, it's been a messy year. It's been a messy two years. But when you really look across time and history, we just see there's brokenness and there's darkness all along that goes with humanity for thousands and thousands of years. And so if you've been around, you've heard us talk about this fact that a long time ago in heaven, there was a governance war between God of creation, God who is all powerful, and Lucifer. And this is where it kind of gets in that heaven and hell thing. And Lucifer decided what many of us have decided in our lives. I don't want God to rule me. And God's order of things, the way he ordained things, I don't want that. I want to rule myself. Now, you can't even be too hard on Lucifer because we've all done it in our lives. We've all decided, I don't want God to be my boss. I want to be my boss. Well, you know this. He rebels, and it's not even a fight. God throws you know, Lucifer and a third of all the angels out. But in that, there becomes this battle, these realms of heaven and hell, and everything in between. And everything in between is where we live. But in this, there's battle rages for our reality. And here's the challenge for all of us. We're trying to figure out if you're Christians, but if you're not, and you're just here asking questions of faith, I think it's a really good day to be here. How do we decide to say, God, the way you've ordered things in my life, in my morality, in my family, with my kids, with my job, with my marriage, your order of things is the way I'm going to just say, God, you know more than I do. I feel this way. I want it to be this way. But... I know, God, you're bigger than I am. I don't want to be like Lucifer who messed this whole thing up for all of us. I want to follow under your order in our reality because there's always a choice. We can pick order. We can pick chaos. And haven't we had enough chaos in our lives? We can pick light or we can pick darkness. We can pick creation or we can you know, pick, pick destruction in our lives. And it shows up every day. So we've been talking about heaven and hell. And last week, we talked about this idea of light and darkness, which is another way to view heaven and hell. That light is God's goodness and darkness is the way we're deceived. And here's the thing we believe when you become a follower of Jesus, we have the ability to distinct what is light and what is darkness. Now, we don't always get it right, but we have the ability to discern that. 
And last week we talked about this really intense thing, and I know it was intense. In fact, this whole series is pretty intense, of hell's primary weapon. And if you missed it, here's just a quick review, although I'd love for you to go back and watch the message. That hell's primary weapon is deception. And then when we decide we're not going to open our eyes to the truth of our lives, of our circumstances, literally to the way God has set the world up, we are deceived. And it is so easy, and I'm not even picking on you because I know how easy it is for me to do this, to choose not to look honestly into my own life and my own circumstances. But in that, we are deceived. And deception costs us something great. Deception, it costs us peace. And it complicates other relationships. And peace, I just think, is the place that we want to be. I mean, when you boil all of our lives down and you ask, what do I really want out of my life? Yeah, sure, we want some money and we want some cool people to hang around and all that stuff. But what I really desire in my life is I want want peace. You're a college student? You want some peace, right? You're in the first two years of your marriage. Peace rules everything. And if you could find it, wouldn't it just make things better? You have teenagers. Oh, my goodness. Peace. Just bring me a little peace. I had a teenage daughter once upon a time. Peace is hard to come by sometimes in those years. But peace is it's heaven. It's a picture of heaven. And this is what we believe, that someday we will dwell in a place that peace is all around us and it's uncompromisable day in and day out. But right now we have the ability to let God bring peace into our lives. And it always will be a choice. Will I bring peace from heaven down and let God have that in my life? Or will I continue to bring the lack of peace up in my relationships, my personal life, and live in that chaos that is just painful? Now here's the challenging part for this morning, and I realize this is really challenging on Father's Day, but I wanted to talk about it. And this is what I'm about to say next will be the place that some of you may have the inclination to check out, pull the ripcord just a little bit, but hang with me, okay? Heaven's path to peace is forgiveness. And today what I want us to talk about is forgiveness. A little bit about us being forgiven, but maybe even more us forgiving other people. And I know some of you may be like, Matt, I just don't want to go there today. I just don't want to think about forgiving him or forgiving her or my boss or my former you know, pastor or my dad or my mom. I don't want to go there. It's just too hard. And here's what I'm not going to ask anybody in the room is to get there all the way today. I mean, some of you might. Some of you might actually cross the finish line of going, okay, I actually think I've let go of that thing. And that's um, remarkable. But what I'm asking all of us, especially if you're a believer in Jesus, but if you're not, doesn't this sound like a good invitation? That we would just choose to stop hating him or hating her quite so much today, that there just be a little less hate in our hearts or resentment in our hearts or bitterness in our hearts. And I'm not going to ask anybody to condone behavior at all. And I'm not going to ask anybody to forget it because it's impossible to forget something. But I'm going to ask you to think about letting go. And here's something really important that you do not need an apology to let something go. We'll find that out a little bit later today. So to get us going, to get us in the right mindset, hopefully to motivate all of us, let me just read you some really familiar, you probably have heard these before, um, forgiveness quotes or forgiveness sayings like this. When you don't forgive and when I don't forgive, it's like drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. Isn't that ridiculous? 
We read that and go, that would be just the most ridiculous thing in the world to drink poison and hoping someone else dies. But that's what happens with unforgiveness. I decide I'm going to be mad at you and bitter at you. I'm going to hold something against you. Meanwhile, the person that you're holding those feelings towards, they don't even recognize it. They don't even feel it. It's not even affecting you. Often in our cases, the people that we're so angry at and bitter towards, they've moved on. They've just moving on with their life and their family and their relationships and their jobs. And we're over in this corner just drinking our poison and it's embittering us. But you know who else is embittering? Whoever's close to us. And you got a kid and you got a spouse, you got a friend, you got a church family. And this is isn't this the problem with churches sometimes. We implode because we let our bitterness overwhelm us and it affects everyone around us. Well, I'm not going to drink poison and hope it hurts you anymore. And unforgiveness is poison. Here's another great one. Forgiveness is refusing to allow that person to have rented space in your head. I'm going to forgive you because I'm not going to let you own property in my brain anymore. And we have all done this and we've all talked about it. It's like the most used pastor illustration of all time, but we've all done it. We're driving in our car or wherever your favorite place is to do this. And you're having that imaginary conversation with the person that did you wrong. You've ever had this? You have. Come on. Let's be honest. You have. And you are so articulate in those moments, right? I am too. And you make your points and you raise your hand and your voice is just strong enough at the right moment. And then I don't know about you, but in my mind, I imagine they're like being an audience when I'm telling the person off and they start clapping and cheering my name. We do that. And what it's allowing that to do is rent a space in my, my emotions, in my brain that I just don't need to be there because of bitterness and ugliness. I love this last one. Forgiveness is setting the prisoner free and finding out the prisoner being set free is you. It's me. And we'll find out today, you know, by forgiving, it's like, oh, I'm letting them off the hook. But the person that's actually let off the hook is, is me because I get to live with peace and some freedom in my world. Now, I want to say this today. There is going to be no magic wand that makes this happen. In fact, I don't believe there's any magic prayer this, that makes this happen. But there are steps in Jesus that can help us to start to pry open our hands and let some of this go. And we're going to find out some instructions from a man named Paul. You probably heard of him, the Apostle Paul. And he writes a letter to a bunch of Christians in Rome. And it's really important for Christians in Rome 2,000 years ago to learn how to forgive because it was terrible being a Christian in Rome. You're often hunted down put in jail, murdered, fed of the lions. And Paul's going to help them understand how to forgive. And this is a big deal because Paul, once upon a time, needed immense forgiveness because that's exactly what he did to Christians. And then he became one and he decided to forgive. But Paul was treated terribly along the way in his life for what he believed. And every day he would have to wake up and go, okay, God, help me to forgive these people that have done so many wrong things to him. But he spent his life bringing heaven down and refusing to let hell come up. This is what Paul says. He says, if it's possible, which I hope it is, as far as it depends on you, and this is a good place just to pause for a second, because these are important words. He says, as far as it depends on you, You do everything you can. The other person may not reciprocate. It may not happen. But as far as it depends upon you, live at peace 
with everyone. Do your best to be at peace with everyone. And you have to go all the way down the road of who that looks like. Your neighbors, your friends, the people on Capitol Hill, the people around the world, live at peace with everyone and bring heaven down and resist hell coming up. And then he says this, and this is really challenging for the way our world works. He says, do not take revenge, my dear friends. And when I think about revenge, you know, I think about taking revenge on Thanos from the Revengers, Avengers. You know what I mean? That awesome scene where they do away with them. I, I think about Carrie Underwood and that song she talks about, the Louisville slugger to both headlights. I just want to do that once in my life to somebody's car, although I know that's not right. All four tires and the whole deal, right? But most likely that's not what we do. But you know somebody, you know somebody that's crazy like that. And if you don't know somebody that's crazy like that, you might be the people, people that people know that's crazy like that. So be real careful with all that revenge thing. But here's the deal when it comes to revenge. Revenge is not just an external retaliation. It's often an internal celebration of someone else's misfortune. Most of us are never going to act out our revenge plans, but they live in our hearts. Have you ever celebrated someone that you're bitter against, their demise? Like you read in the paper, they got a DUI, and you're like, oh, that's really sad, but internally you're just like, yes, yes, right? You, you hear somebody's kid failed out of college, and you never say it out loud, but inside you're like, oh, yeah, finally my kid's the best in the crowd, right? Because there's bitterness. And Paul says, yeah, don't do that. That's taking revenge. Even if it's not a physical act, it's in your heart. And when you do that, you are not free. You are robbing yourself of joy and you're probably robbing the people around you of joy and you're bringing hell up. Paul says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Isn't that interesting? To which some of us go, okay, now we're talking. Let's get some of that God's wrath thing going. Because i got some people that I hope they get God's wrath. And when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about when I was in elementary school, um, they still spanked kids. Actually, when you got in enough trouble up in your classroom, um, your teacher would hand you a leather strap. This, this happened 40 years ago, and that, showed, that shows you how old I am. And you'd have to walk down with a leather strap down three flights of stairs and present it to the principal. In first service, I actually said, yeah, our school believed in capital punishment. I said that by accident, which means they just killed everybody. That is not what they did. <laughs> so it's not, they just believed in spanking kids. I'll say it that way so I say it right. Illinois was a tough place to grow up. Anyway, anyway, and, and you present the strap to the kid or the principal, and then his job was to spank you, to bring wrath upon you. And that's what all I thought the principal did when I was a kid. He just waited in his office for you to walk in, and then he would give you wrath, right? And so often we think that's what God does. He's just waiting, waiting, waiting. But you know this, and I know this, really God doesn't have to do much when we really mess up our lives because the natural consequences of sin are devastating. They leave us with a lot of our own hell all around us, and we've experienced that. And you always got to remember when you look at another human being and you want wrath for them, do not forget they are or have the potential to be one of God's children. And if they're God's children, it means God really, really cares about him. And you let God deal with his children in his way. It always works out the best. And God is faithful to do that in his best way. 
Paul goes on, he says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. It is not my job to do God's job. I do not have to repay or wrath. God will handle that in his way. And here's the challenge for us, even in this message, you may be like, yeah, I'm mad, but they're getting away with it. And they have hell to pay. Don't you and don't I try and handle that? Because in that, we're not giving them hell, we're giving ourselves hell. And unforgiveness, man, it does a weird thing when it comes to this whole heaven coming down and hell coming up. Because unforgiveness puts us in a position that literally unforgiveness shuts out God. And it's not like God abandons us or leaves us, but it shuts him out. Like in any relationship, it's like just push back a little bit so there's distance. And your heavenly father's greatest desire with you is to be close to you and to love you even in your pain. Forgiveness. It allows God to come close. It opens up our hearts. It lets us bring our brokenness to him. And here's the deal with unforgiveness and forgiveness. There's a source to that. And it all revolves around, are we willing to trust God into this? Because unforgiveness, it's a failure to trust what God says and who God is. And and I'll push you for a minute, although I'm not mad at you, but I'll push you. If we think or you think forgiveness is impossible, if you think forgiveness is impossible, it's really because you've not chosen to trust God yet. And what would it look like for us, you and me together to say, all right, God, I don't know why, I don't know how, I don't know why it hurts so bad, but I'm, I'm a disaster because of this person, but I'm going to trust you with them. Now, God, help me to heal by forgiving. And what if God could really handle the things that we cannot? What if the things that you're so mad about and you're so bitter about and you just want to rage, you were able to say, God, I'm going to trust you with that. You're my defender. You're my protector. Now, God, I'm going to trust you with that. And what if God gave you freedom in that? And it felt like a little more heaven coming down into your life. See, Paul says all that. And then he goes, on the contrary, in other words, do this instead. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. I mean, my goodness, that doesn't sound like a human idea. It doesn't sound like an American idea. It does not sound like an idea that we come up with also. It either has to be wrong or something bigger than us. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. Goes on. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Just so you know, this is really hard for me. This does not come easy for me at all. But you know this. People that do this, the rock stars in our world, You know somebody that's been hurt or treated really poorly. Something awful has happened to somebody and they decided to rise above and they had a choice to be broken and live in the cellar for the rest of their lives, but they rose above and they, they love their kids and they love their spouse and they love the people around them and they forgave and we go, that's a person that I admire. I don't know if I'll ever be like that person, but I admire that kind of person. Because in my weakness, I just want to avenge and revenge everything I can. This is rock star status. And then Paul says something really interesting. He says, in doing this, you will heat burning coals on his or her head. Now, when I was growing up and I read this, I thought, oh, that's a great thing. I'm going to do this so I can literally dump fire on somebody's head. But that's not quite what he's talking about. There's an ancient tradition in Judaism that you would dump ash on your head. And you would show that, God, I, I'm sorry. I'm dumping this on my head, and I'm sorry. 
And Paul's alluding to the fact that when we treat people that are enemies this way, it actually leads them in the right direction. And here's what you know, the only hope for some of the people in your life of ever coming back around and saying, I own that, I was wrong, is if God gets a hold of their life. It's the only hope for some of the people we know in our lives. And as Christians, we believe something amazing. And maybe you've never heard this before, but you need to know this today on Father's Day. Paul says it a little bit earlier in this little letter of Romans. He says this, he says, don't. Don't you see? Isn't that a great question? Don't you see? You're online today. Don't you see, Matt? Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? You you see, as Christians, we believe that we were the most broken, sinful, wrong people on the planet. And there was nothing we could do to come back to God. And God was kind to us through Jesus on the cross. And he was tolerant until Jesus went to the cross. He was patient with us. And he loved us with you and with me. Does this mean nothing to you? It's a great question. Can't you see that this kindness is the intended to turn you from your sin? Another way that you may have heard this said along the way is it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And maybe you've never heard this before, but do you know how people are brought back to God? Do you know how people become Christians? It's the fact they see God's love for them. It's the fact that they see when they were as broken and as wrong as they possibly could be, God was as right and he was as good and as loving as he could have been when he gave his son Jesus on the cross. And when God looked at your sin, he looked at my sin, he just simply said, I'll pay for that. Or hanging on the cross, Jesus would say about you and about me, Father, just forgive them. I'm not looking for wrath. I'm not looking for payment towards them. I'm taking the payment on my own shoulders. Just forgive them for they they do not know what they do. Forgive them anyway. Forgive people today as Jesus hung on the cross and forgive people 2,000 years ago in a little town called Van Wert, Ohio where people desperately needed freedom from their sin. Forgive them. Now, as we've accepted that, Paul and Jesus would turn to us and go, okay, now you, the best you can, you won't get it all figured out today, you get to do the same and let go of revenge and let go of your bitterness. And maybe you're asking, you're sitting here today and you're asking like, how do I do that? And here's one really good step. Accept the apology that you never received. Because you may never receive, I'm sorry, I was wrong, it's my fault. You may never receive that. You still can accept that apology and bring heaven down into your life and free the people in your homes and around you and just look at you know your heavenly father and said I'm with you on this not in my house is there going to be more bitterness or any more resentment not here there's going to be a day that I'm going to wake up I might not get there today but there's going to be a day that I wake up and I'm not going to be angry because I don't want to live in a place of hell any longer and you make the realization of maybe the reason I never got an apology is no one ever taught him. No one ever taught her. No one ever showed them how to do this. And in that, what I'm going to do along with accepting an apology I never received is I'm going to give them, whoever your them is, the blessing they never received. Because so often, no one ever understood God's ultimate life, love. 
And this takes time. Sometimes it's a process, but it's an opportunity to start today. It's why Jesus died for our sins and for our lives. And the apostle Paul just said, no more hell coming up. I had a friend I was talking to this series about, and my friend, you know, he's not sure he believes in God. I love to hang out with him. He's a close friend of mine. And he said, hey, what are you speaking on? I'm like, heaven and hell and everything in between. And he, he, he doesn't believe like some of you believe. And he goes, why are you talking about that? And I just said, I am so tired of seeing people bring more hell up into their lives. Because life's hard enough as it is. And my friend went, that makes sense. You keep preaching that. Doesn't even believe, but he sees it, just like we all see it. And the apostle Paul, he looks at us and he looks at the people he's writing to and he said, hey, and with all that, don't be overcome by evil. You know what evil looks like. You've had it done to you. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not trade peace for more hell. Do not trade the love you have for more darkness. Ask more light to come into your life, more of Jesus. You don't have to condone it. You don't have to forget it, but you can start to let go of it and never give energy back to that direction again for all of us. And I'm right here with you because this is hard. But peace, and again, don't you, don't you want peace? I want peace. Peace begins when our demand for p- payment ends. No more demanding, no more prisoners. You hurt me, okay, you hurt me, but I can't undo that. I'm just not letting any more hurt come into my life. I'm done with hurt. I'm done with prisoners. No more hell in my life. So here's my question. And I'm going to ask you a question that if you're a Jesus follower, I'm telling you, you have to answer. And if you're not a Jesus follower, all I want to ask you is, would it be worth asking this question in your life? That's up to you. But Jesus followers, here's the question for us. Who do you need to forgive? What debt do you need to cancel? What letter do you need to sit down and write out about how you are sorry and you forgive and you're letting go and then you need to let that, take that letter and burn it and never send it to the person that it's intended for because that'll just open up wounds that don't need to be opened up. What trusted friend do you need to sit down with this week or next week and tell your story to and then look them in the eye and say, I don't want to be bitter anymore. Hold me accountable to forgive this person. And it may take time, but who... Do you need to forgive? And I know this is hard. I know this is a challenge, but I am convinced this is where peace is at. And so I thought for us to wrap up today, I would take us to the place we started with Jesus's big mission statement, his big worldview, his prayer. When he was asked, how do you pray? He said, this is how you see the world. and This is how you follow my heavenly father. Because I thought it would be helpful for us. Because remember that? They said, hey, Jesus, how should we pray? And he said this. This then is how you should pray. Start with our father in heaven. Like this declaration that you have a father that you're under. And he's stronger, bigger than you. But he's your father and he loves you. Hallowed be your name, which means your name's holy, it's magnificent, it's bigger than I am. There's an order to your name, and I'm just going to follow where you send me. You're the head of it all. Like before there was order in the chaos, you brought order, bring order to my life. And in that order, God, would your kingdom come? 
all of your kingdom, all of your love, all of your justice, all of what's right. But I'm going to let you handle what's yours and I'll handle what you asked me to handle. Your kingdom come and your will be done. Challenge for all of us in our culture. I said this last week, but I'm struggling with this myself. Your will be done over my feelings, over what I think is right over the way I think I should conduct things, including this forgiveness thing, because forgiveness makes no sense in our humanity. We just think vengeance and return an eye for an eye. God, your will be done in every part of my life. On earth, back up just, yeah, right there, right there. On earth, my earth, my home, my life as it is in heaven. Bring your order down and invade my chaos. And then he brings us to the place we are today. Give us today our daily bread. We talked about that being food, but maybe that could be our daily courage, what we daily need. And maybe for you today, it's all about, give me just enough courage that I don't bail on this thought right now. And forgive us our debts, because you have through Jesus. I can't believe I'm so forgiven. It was your kindness that brought me back to repentance. But then here's the hard part. As we also have forgiven our debtors. Lord, if someone has taken someone something from us, let me pry my hands open and trust that you have it in your hands. It is not mine to avenge. It's yours, God. And I'm going to be a person of forgiveness. No more hell coming up. No more darkness rattling around in my heart. No more bitterness. None of that despair. I am letting that go because I want my life to be a picture of of heaven. And Jesus wraps it all up. He says, and lead us not into temptation. Next slide. But deliver us from the evil one. That was Jesus' purpose. That's his worldview. That's, this is how we're going to live our lives as we follow God. And I love this, and I am convinced of this. This is following God's order of things. But God's order of things is the best order for us. It's the way our lives work out better. A, a couple weeks ago, I talked about those two roads, the one that leads to hell that's wide and well-traveled, and the one that leads to heaven, which is narrow and less traveled. I'm convinced the harder road is the better road for God and for his children. But it's a battle. It's a battle between heaven and hell and everything in between. And I hope for us, as my friend would say, we have enough hard stuff in our lives without bringing more up. This is a way, forgiveness is a way not to bring any more up. And what if you got this? What if your children start to understand this? What if generations from now, your family and your friends would be different because we decided, you decided, God, I'm going to follow your order of things. And we're going to see heaven on earth. And then someday when we stand in your presence in the full realness of heaven, We'll have to be well prepared for the rest of eternity because we followed you. I hope that for you on this Father's Day. I hope that for me. I hope that for our children. And I hope that for our world. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, you know it is easy for me to talk about forgiveness on a stage with a microphone. It is not always easy for me to practice it. So Jesus, help us to do what only we can do through your power, your spirit, and your strength, and that is to forgive. 
I pray no one would get discouraged. They don't feel like they can get there today, but they would be able to walk out of here with their minds made up. I'm going to hate a little bit less and to be a little less bitter. And I'm going to start walking down the path to forgiveness that we'd all wake up one day, Jesus, and we'd be fully forgiven in all of our relationships and hold nothing against people that have hurt us when we get an apology and when we don't. And Jesus, thank you that what drives this is that's exactly what you did for us. You forgave us ahead of time by dying on the cross for our sins. We will be grateful for eternity for it. Thanks for loving us and letting us love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.